0: In the last 10, 15 years or so, a majority of young people, majority of millennials and generation Z, whatever, that are coming up, they didn't grow up like I did. They The, 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 the life that I had growing up is something that would never enter their mind. There's so many of them that didn't get nurtured. I mean, not just by having a mom and a dad who were there and who loved us and who taught us and interacted with us, but also grandmas and grandpas and great-grandmas and grandpas and uncles and aunts and everybody interacting and and helping. There's a majority of them grow up now, and they, they don't know anything about that. Just even that safe, good place to grow up. Their childhood was one of survival or of neglect, and on and on we could go. So their mindset isn't even the same. But isn't it good to know that all this deals with real people, real needs, real problems, and that all the answer is found in him and who he is? That's what Jesus is dealing with. A woman has some real problems. And, you know, the disciples come back. I think this is so funny. I just think it's funny the way he chose to do things. Because the disciples come back and they are stunned. They're ah, they can't believe A, he's talking to a woman, B, a Samaritan woman. They couldn't even believe they were standing on Samaritan soil. And there were some age-old racial conflicts that come up here that have to be dealt with as well. So, in the midst of discussing this, as well as the marital problems of this woman, Jesus talked about worship. It might seem strange, but here's the thing. Here's the reason why. When we get set straight on worshiping God, A lot of the other stuff that we spend so much of our time trying to clean up and fix up will get cleared up. Did y'all hear what I just said? That's why I put it up there so you can hear it and you can see it because y'all get distracted too easy. So do I. When we get set straight on worshiping God, a lot of the other stuff we spend so much time trying to fix will get cleared up. In order to get to the truth, we must go to God's authority for truth. His word. His word is truth. We're never going to see everything's got to be based on this. We can't just base it on anything else. It's got to be based on this right here. We're not going to be able to worship God powerfully. We're not going to be able to worship God powerfully. I've got this coming up here. Look at it. We're not going to be able to worship God powerfully if we do not know Him intimately and obey His word diligently. We're not going to be able to. We might want to, but we won't be able to worship God powerfully. Maybe that's one reason why our worship isn't powerful is because we're not knowing Him deeply and obeying Him diligently. That could be. It could be. But you see the priority here? that this woman received the truth about worship. And because of that, her life was changed. And because of that, if you read off this story, which we will later on, Lord willing, she goes and she brings a whole bunch of people back to learn about and hear about Jesus. Later on, when you get into the book of the Acts of the Apostle, and you get into chapter 8, you're going to find that when the gospel goes to Samaria, man, they are ready. Something happened with some of these people. And God saw to it, after the resurrection, that they got all the story about Jesus that they didn't already have. But this woman received the truth about worship. Her life was changed. Likewise, because Jesus gave also the disciples the right view of God. Are you following me here? He gave them the right view of God. They were now able to fellowship with and be around people that they thought were their enemies, the Samaritans. Because they begin to get the idea Jesus and that God loves them as much as us. There's no difference. It's amazing how much other stuff, whether it's racism or what it is, that comes into proper focus when we clearly see the true meaning of worship, the priority of worship. This is number one. And then we're gonna we're gonna just kind of We've got a lot more than this, but we're just going to kind of wrap it up with this the place of worship. Because she brings up this question. She's trying to divert him off of the situation with her. And it's like, okay, you're Jew, I'm Samaritan. <clears throat> Let's not talk about my problems. Uh, but hey, you know, like you guys say this and we guys say that. Who's right? So she brought that up. Uh, and so her fathers, the Samaritans, worshipped in this mountain. And says, you, your people, that be the Jews, worship in Jerusalem. Can I give you a little context on that? Can I give you a little Bible lesson on that? You ready? Woo, this is good stuff. All right. Way back. If you're going to understand this, you've got to read the whole Bible. See, way back in 7, 722 B.C., we find, or before that, actually, after, you know, God established his people in the Promised Land, and then there was Saul, then there was King David, and then after David came who? Solomon, and then Solomon reigns all these years, this time of prosperity, man, things were great, then after he passes on, his son Rehoboam became king, and Rehoboam was influenced by the young guys who got a lot of enthusiasm and spunk, and he ignored the old guys who may not be so spunky anymore, but they've been through it, see, they've got wisdom and stability, right? See, we need all of that. We do, we do, but he didn't listen, and uh, he made some bad decisions, and a guy that had a beef with him, his name was Jeroboam, no kin to Rehoboam, they were just both Boams. And uh, that started a problem, ends up that they have a split, that there is a civil war takes place in Israel. And what happens is, is you have ten tribes that separate. You just have Judah and Benjamin that stay there. Then a lot of the tribe of Levi came back because, you know, once the ten tribes, they're up there. And now that's Samaria. It becomes Israel during that time, and Samaria was their capital. And Jeroboam, if you read that story, he you know he, he claimed to worship Jehovah God, but he made these idols, right? And he couldn't have people like, all these people are going to want to go back to Jerusalem, to the temple, so we've got to kind of make our own. And they kind of mixed a little bit of truth. So here's what you need to know about Samaritans. <clears throat> is that um, is first it was Israel, and then the other... Two tribes were known as Judah with Jerusalem as their headquarters. But these guys up here kind of developed their own system of worship to keep people away from Jerusalem so they don't go back. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses. The rest of it they didn't. But in the course of time, God kept sending prophets to them like Elijah and Elisha and others And he eventually warned them, warned them, and they wouldn't listen. He finally allowed the Assyrians to come in and conquer that land. And what happened was is they wiped out that northern kingdom of Israel. And they carried a lot of people off to their land as captives. And then they relocated a lot of their people to that land. And then those people began to intermarry with the Hebrews that lived there. And they produced kind of a unique race of people that you might say were half Gentile, half Jew or Hebrew. Um, that 's what happened, so here you 've got oh, dare I say it? They looked at them as half breeds, and they they looked at them racially inferior and spiritually inferior because they had their own system of worship, and a lot of it was idolatry and even though they had some of the word of God, so to a Jew. If you even stepped on Samaritan soil, that might make you unclean spiritually. You have to go through a ceremonial process before you could go back into the temple to get all like I said earlier the Samaritan cooties off of you spiritually speaking hey it 's complicated it 's complicated. so this is what happened. They began after after that time, they began to be known as Samaritans, and the Jews in Galilee and Judea despised them. So you see what i 'm saying? There was a lot of prejudice. Maybe even some hatred among them. That's why it said in verse 4 that he needed to go through Samaria. And as I said, they developed their own system of worship. Because now, they weren't welcome at the temple in Jerusalem. If you were a Samaritan, you weren't allowed in. You could go to the court of the Gentiles, I suppose, but you couldn't get in. They had their own temple there on Mount Gerizim. And so when the woman says, our father's worshipped in this mountain, she's saying, my people have their place of worship on this mountain right behind me. You guys go to the temple in Jerusalem. Now I got a question. Which one of us is right? Age-old question, right? Well, look, Jesus gives a lesson. He informs this woman this. So which way to God? That worship is first and foremost is not first and foremost a place. Did you hear that? It is not, first and foremost, a place. It is a state of heart and mind. Worship is not so much where you are, but who you are in Christ because of what Jesus did for you. If you haven't learned to worship as a way of life, if you don't know Him personally through Christ, showing up at a building with a steeple is probably not going to change it. In fact, the Bible teaches us here 1 Corinthians 6:19 he says do you not know that your body this is new testament the old covenant is fulfilled the old testament the old covenant is done we are now living in the age of grace and the new covenant is in effect hallelujah amen Hey, man, Sharon was just sharing with me a while ago. You read through the Bible chronologically. He said, man, Leviticus, oh, my goodness, there's some crazy stuff. Yes, aren't you glad that that stuff has been fulfilled, that, that we're not under that law, we're under grace? Right, right, I wouldn't be able to round off the corners of my beard. <laughs> Have you noticed I haven't grown a beard this year? I wonder why. I look. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not the right color. I'm telling you, there will be a time that it will come back, but I kind of enjoy sometimes having it, but I don't want to start hearing Santa Claus jokes, because you think my hair is turned... It's really, it's gone now, let me tell you. I mean, whenever I don't shave and it gets up, you know, a little bit, instead of having like, you know, a shadow, I've got a frost. You see what I'm saying? It's just totally changed. Sorry, I guess I got off track a little bit. <laughs> so, man, because of the New Testament, God's Spirit dwells in us, so it's not about a place, it's about who you are in Christ. First Corinthians 6, 19, he says, Do you not know that your body, your body, the physical body of believers, of Christians, of disciples and followers of Jesus, christ that that is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god you are not your own you belong to him and so guess what it's not about coming to church you take listen if you're saved you're taking church with you everywhere you go do you know that i mean when we come together there ought to be something special yeah we need to reverence the 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 meaning of it all and everything else but listen don't be one person here and somebody else out there right you should be who you is don't be who you ain't. Right? Anybody not heard that? <laughs> I'm itching to say the rest of it. it. Because if you is who you ain't, then you ain't who you is. See? You're phony. Uh, so, so that's the thing. That's the thing that happens. But uh, we, are, we, we do have two spheres of worship, though, okay? Um, you take the Lord with you everywhere you go. By the way, this, this building is not the house of God. You might could say that about the Old Testament temple in Jerusalem because his presence actually dwelt there and people had to go there. Isn't this great? Now God dwells in us. God dwells in us. There are two spheres of worship. Did you catch all that? There's the public and the private. Both are necessary. All right? Both are vital. People have a problem with coming together with other believers for public worship or corporate worship, as we call it. Are usually revealing the fact that there's probably not a lot of private worship happening. Probably. Because it starts in the private sphere of our life. On the inside of us. One-on-one with God and with our families. And so that's where it starts. It's got to start privately. It's got to start in your heart with you and God. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as Sunday. And even with your family. But they also need to heed the words of what the writer of Hebrews said in in Hebrews 10.25 when he said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging one another so much more as you see the day approaching. That's that great day that he's coming back. We ought to be more excited about gathering together now than ever before. So here's the thing. I want to just kind of wrap up with this. There are several reasons why it's got to start privately. And it's hard to have it publicly if you don't have it already privately. But you need to be worshiping the Lord. And we're here to help equip you and, and, and to do that better. Uh, but, but one reason why we need to come together is speaking of public worship, is there are some things that are available as we all come together that are not available to us in private. Each one of us has different gifts and abilities from God for the purpose of magnifying Him and aiding in the, di- the process of discipleship for one another. Are you following this? And we bring it all together when we come together and we offer it up to God. The public gathering is designed to not just benefit you. But God wants to use you to even benefit others. To benefit others as well as yourself. Also, we're taught in the Bible that we're part of a body of Christ. You don't want to amputate parts of the body. We're taught that we're family of God. And because we're, it's kind of hard to be a family if you isolate yourself. You don't have all the spiritual gifts you need. And most of what God has done in my life, He's chosen to do through brothers and sisters in the family. Without them, I would have missed all of that. Public worship reminds us also that He is our Father. Jesus taught us to pray our Father in the Lord's Prayer, not just my Father. Isolated believers are contrary to the whole concept of Family. Without gathering with other believers, your worship fire will start to go out. Because our Father is interested in His family life, right? He's calling us to come and to sit together at the table and fellowship together. To dine together. To work together. To serve together. All of it. But here's the thing. Um, The private worship is where it starts. If the only time God ever hears from you is on Sunday, if the only time you interact with His Word is Sunday, if the only time you fellowship with other believers is on Sunday, your spiritual life is going to be pretty anemic. I mean, if the only time you ate physical food was one day a week, you wouldn't be very healthy. We need not only to be in the Word, uh, we need to gather together. Uh, but if you're not get, getting in the Word and you're not worshiping every day, you're not going to be able to do much when we come together. Worship should be in you, since the Spirit of God indwells in you. In fact, in Psalm one thirteen three, he says, "From the rising of the sun to its going down, that's every day." The Lord's name is to be praised. Talking about worship. Praise and worship are to be the routine of our life. I'm not talking about just a verse to, a verse a day to keep the devil away. I'm talking about developing a genuine adoration of God. And you know that song we sang starting, uh, during the service, Good, Good Father. And there's a lot of people say, man, that's... And I had somebody saying, boy, you know, man, that song, you know, you kind of repeat a lot. And stuff like, Good, Good Father, that's who he is, that's who he is. You know, I'm loved, that's who I am, that's who I am, all that stuff. And you did hear the writing behind that, didn't you? You might think, well, that's just shallow, that's shallow. Well, not when you understand it comes from a real life experience of someone. That the guy that wrote that song was a pastor, and as they were meeting in small group, there was a lady in their group that had been diagnosed with a terminal illness they'd been praying for. And as they came together, she came to share that the news from the doctor was the opposite of what they'd been praying. That the news from the doctor was that she wasn't going to make it. It had gone from bad to worse. And as they were stunned, as they were, didn't know what to do or say, he said, this, this came to my heart. That even though I don't understand and I don't like what's happening, I know you're good. I know you're a good father. And I know you love us. And he just began to sing that, not knowing how it would be received. And then everybody began to sing it, and it became a song that way. And I think, yeah, judge it how you will, but, you know, it looks like that song that came out of genuine worship. You know, I'm just saying. Maybe you do that. I probably wouldn't do it in public, but maybe I will. Who knows? That you're just praying, and you're going through a time, and the Scripture comes to you. And maybe you just begin to sing to the Lord. You ever sing your own own song to the Lord? I love the way some of my grandbabies like to just make up songs already. I love that. It it does get irritating at times. But anyway, how about us? Are there only certain people who are paid that can write hymns and music? Or can we only use those from a certain 200-year period of time? How about now? How about in your own life? Are there hymns and songs, spiritual songs of praise coming out of your heart? It's a daily thing. It's an everyday thing. We need to start our day this way. We need to end our day with worship. And we may wake up in the middle of the night, the devil keeping you awake, start worshiping. You'll find out if it's the devil keeping you awake and you start worshiping, you go back to sleep. Amen? Pray with me. Lord, as we stop right here, and there's so much more we can find in this passage about the purpose of worship and all of that. Lord, we just want to thank you that it's not about a place, it's about our hearts. It's not about a geographical place, it's about a spiritual place. We want to thank you, Lord, that you paid the price to allow us to approach you. You tell us that we can come boldly before your throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus that we can worship you openly and freely, even though we're not worthy, you made us worthy, that we can celebrate your worth.